Welcome to Chasing Possible, a podcast where I sit down with ReliQuest founder and CEO, Brian Murphy. And as we go through the story of ReliQuest history, each episode is designed to give you a look into the mindset we've relied on to make security possible. Now let's go get it. Welcome back, and we're jumping right back into the journey of ReliQuest. Today we talk about a couple things that Murph is most proud of, how he made ends meet without paying himself, ReliQuest's work with the military, and why humility is so important to continue to improve. I am kind of blipping through it, but like I still hadn't been paid. I mean, so I'm out on my own. Oh, shoot. Oh, I'm, there's no payroll. There's no, I mean, <laughs> I'm making payroll for others. And so I joke with people that I've never missed a payroll except my own. I've never missed a commission payment, but I've never paid myself commission on anything in our history. And I've never not uh, made investors money um, on, on their investment. So those are the two things I'm really proud of. Never missed a payroll and never not uh, made investors money. So can, can, um, can I ask a, a, probably yeah. a dumb, dumb question? This is my just lack of, of understanding how business works. It was like, how did you make money then? Like if you never paid yourself? Yeah. Like how do you, uh, how do you make money? Debt. Um, Renee was working weekends um, as a speech therapist at Ultra Orleans Hospital. And uh, like we went back to college days budgeting. We had no wow. eating out. Um, gotcha. I would do, I'd go grocery shopping and clip coupons. And the, the game that we played is could we spend less the next week that we did the current week? Right. And so, love it. but we had to buy formula, had to buy diapers. But look, I mean, you can you can eat a lot of meals on, you know, sloppy joes and tacos and hamburgers and our one splurge night that we still joke about today because Parker actually likes the pizza and we just forbid it. Um, Hungry Howie's had Wacky Wednesday and you could get a large one topping pizza for like five bucks. And that was our splurge night. It was like date night. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, you know, we were in it and there'd be occasionally... Yeah we get a big check in and I'd repay one of the loans and I'd live off of that. You know, you, you see what I mean? Like, so, yeah, yeah, you know, you. I was, I was using some of the money to repay just debt. Right. So it was kind yeah. of keeping us floating. Um, but you. you know, we, we didn't have this huge house. We, we obviously didn't have nice cars. Like we, we lived on nothing. I mean, I probably survived on 20 grand a year or the $20,000 for, 2009 and you know maybe 29 and 2010 so it's just the way it worked and i think it's interesting though for people to you know as i look back was it worth it yes but in the moment it's tough and i think nothing that i've described so far is like 72 degrees sunny and perfect weather do you know what i mean like it was a hurricane it was chaos and it wasn't controlled chaos it was just chaotic chaos yeah and so um I do think about that though, is entrepreneurs think about starting something and they want, well, I don't know if this is the right time or the perfect time. And Renee and I laugh even when we, you know, we'll be talking to people like, well, I don't know if it's the right time for us to have kids. And we're like, God, well, damn sure it wasn't the right time to have two kids under three and start a company and have a house that was half built. And so, you know, a lot of it seems reckless, but um, when you get a little bit of a win, like that's what I call chasing possible. Cause wait a minute, if, if this small public company kept paying me and I filled these 10 things for this government subcontractor, well, I'm sure there's another 10 things out there. Mm. And so you start to think yeah. like to quit, I got to unwind those two or three customers. I got to remove employees. I got to yeah. go find another job. 
So that's going to take me 120 days. Or is it shorter to go get another 10 spots on one of these contracts? And so you just kind of, you got 10 more, you got 10 more, you got 10 yeah. more. And as I like to tell people, luck is undefeated. It happened at this company, um, got this big contract award, and we had done good work for them. Yeah. And they were too spread out and they gave us a big chunk. And so I get into the fall and um, I can't keep pushing this car around intersections. It's dented in. And now um, there's something wrong with the engine where I took it in to get fixed. And the guy's like, look, you got about four days and maybe 50 miles on this thing for it just completely dies. So um, I, uh, I drove that car around. And in one day or two days, I went to, I was turned down for a loan by 14 dealerships. Wow. Throughout the Tampa Bay area, every kind of car. And I go to this dealership. It's a Honda dealership on Kennedy. It's now Kuhn Honda. I know Jason Kuhn. He and I both sit on the board of Embark together. And it's a, uh, and he's a great guy. We're members of the founder circle together. He did not own it then. It was Lindell Honda. And I walked in and, uh, and I sit down and, you know, you see this car, it's a lease because the other, here's the trick is, um, because we were driving around the local customers, there's a requirement that we provide insurance, car insurance or vehicle insurance, liability insurance for our employees. And I just gotten a bill from the broker, a standalone policy was going to be like $11,000. Well, I mean, we didn't have $11,000. And then yeah. the insurance broker who I appreciate it was like, you know, Brian, if, if the car, if, if you lease a car through the company, I can add a rider onto that policy and the whole thing won't cost you more than two grand. And so now hmm. I'm like, I got to go lease a car. And so I need to put it in the company's name. And so I go to all these dealerships and, you know, you get to the credit application and I didn't miss any payments, but. I had all this debt. And when you're an entrepreneur and you're self-employed and you don't have regular income, you, you don't, you're done. Like I'm, I'm in the first two years of a company. Um, banks yeah. don't like you. Car credit cards don't like you. Car loans don't like you. Nobody likes you. Right. And yeah. so everyone tells me no, and I don't blame them. I'm, I look like the dumbest risk on paper. Like they're like, we might as well just set the repo line. And I was about to go one of those buy here, pay your lots where they charge you like a ridiculous amount of interest. And I go into at the time, Lindell Honda, now Kuhn Honda. And, you know, I get they, they, there's this, the Volkswagen CC had just come out and they're doing this ridiculous lease rate because the economy is still trash. And so leases were super tr cheap and cars are super cheap. It's not like it was now, like nobody oh, was buying anything new. So the economy was terrible and dealers were begging to do deals. And this one finance manager just started talking to me. I hadn't filled out any paperwork and I told him I'd start on my company. And he's like, you know, um, I'm getting ready to open up a business with my wife and her father. I'm like, really, what is it? And he's like, well, you know, it's this laundromat and he's going through this whole thing of laundry delivery and they're going to pick up, try, they have an in with one of the sports teams and some of the uniforms and stuff like that. And he just, was quizzing me about the first two years. And I was like, well, I kind of think this, and maybe you could try this. Maybe you could try that. And he's like, man, I really appreciate it. So I talked to him for about an hour. Um, and then he said, Hey, fill this out and I'll come back. I filled it out. He came back and he looked at it and he's like, look, man, I'm not gonna be able 
to set you up a lease in this car. Um, but you haven't missed any payments. I don't know how, but you haven't missed any payments yeah. on all this stuff. I don't know how you're doing it. So you must be good. It's your second year of business. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to fill in this next application. I'm going to walk out of the room and you're going to sign it and we're going to lease you this car. And he just filled in the math that he needed to work. Um, my uh, income, my, all this other stuff, you know, yeah. he's like, your wife's name ain't on this. So she's making a lot of money right now. And we're going to, we're going to accept. So it's funny. And, and again, some people listen to this is like that guy shouldn't have done it, but it, you know, along the way people show you grace. And I drove out yeah. with a car and never missed that payment. It's the reason for years I always owned, um, a Volkswagen made car. Um, so I went from a Volkswagen wow. to an Audi cause, uh, I could do it through that same network of dealerships and I was loyal, um, even Porsche is owned by that same group. And so, um, you know, you, you go to the dealer that sold me a car that didn't run and the dealer that, you know, showed me grace. Um, yeah. and, uh, so there's two sides of every, you know, there's, there's good and bad people in all areas, you know, um, there's some, there's yeah. a lot of good people out there. So that was, and man, I was off and running. I was that car, that air was so cold. It could have been 20 <laughs> degrees outside and I turned the AC on. Uh, so, uh, and it's funny, my Freon guy had moved. And so I didn't have a Freon guy. So I knew I had to get rid of it. (laughs) Uh, I had to get rid of it for next summer. Um, but, uh, but that was it, man. I mean, I felt like I was driving a Rolls Royce when I rolled out of there. Um, and it was, yeah. So, uh, that's good. So, yeah. So 2009, like, like take us home, like wrap up the year for us. What, what, where we so, had you got the big deal right with the air force right the the big deal that came through um yep. yeah so so th- you know what i realized by the end of 2009 so we're humming on those contracts and uh they're starting to give us exclusive billets tcs's and because we can turn them so fast gotcha. um and then they acquired they were working on acquiring a company another company out of atlanta um and we were going to get work there and that was on the TCS at air force and the new one was going to be a Marine Corps contract. So for us, you know, I joined this group called AFSIA armed forces communication electronics association at McDill air force base. I joined that as soon as we did our first deal, uh, Oconus outside continental U S our first contract for data path to learn. So it was this community that met at inside McDill air force base once a month and all of the, colonels and servicemen and women would come together and they're all communicators. So they all come out of like satellite communication, network engineering, all comms roles. And they met, it was a a joint private company and public company of government and, and public contractors. And, uh, I went in, I went to the, uh, the, the president of AFSIA who was, um, uh, uh, Colonel Jim Turner at the time, uh, great, great friend of John Berger didn't know John Berger at the time, but everybody talked about Berger like he was a legend. Cause he was the cyber guy. Um, yeah. and AFSIA, and, uh, everyone was clamoring to talk to him. That's, that's for a future year of how I met Berger. Um, and then, uh, I walked up to Jim Turner. I said, I'd like to get involved. And he said, uh, well, I can put you on a committee or whatever. Now I have a belief that if I'm going to do something, I don't join a board and not do work. So, if I'm going to put my name on something, I'm going to go all in. And I said to him, I said, well, hey, instead of me sitting on a committee and working my way up, um, what is the thing that nobody likes to do on this board and that you need the most? 
And he said, well, the guy that runs corporate sponsorships has been trying to give it up for years. Nobody will take it because they don't want to go around and ask for money from all these companies. And I look around the room and they would have table signs at every table and you'd see General Dynamics, uh, SAIC, uh, Arma, all these massive, in some cases, multi-billion dollar companies. And I'm like, well, how much do you raise right now in corporate sponsorships, like as a chapter? And he's like, well, it's about um, somewhere between 80 and 100 grand a year. And I'm like, well, well, how much are you charging them for that table sign? Oh, that's that's 200 bucks. I said, you know what? If he doesn't want to do it, I will. And uh, I took over corporate sponsorships at the end of 2009, beginning of 2010, and I wow. uh, took it from a hundred grand to, you know, I think when I, when I handed it over is four to 500 grand a year um, wow. and just doing simple well, but I learned a ton. I learned the lingo. I learned the language. Like people would sit at tables and try to sell these servicemen and women. And I would ask them questions. I'm like, Hey, do you use a snap terminal? So when you do this, right. And if you still ask Scott Noonan, um, who's joined in, I think 2010, he still knows all the lingo from snap terminals. Um, and, yeah. uh, and, and so, uh, so that was, you know, that's really when we started to, to, to hit our stride. And when I ended 2009, I looked back, I'm like, okay, well I did, 350, 400 grand in revenue and eight, and I survived. Yeah. I did 800, well, almost 900 grand, almost doubled in 2009. Now we didn't collect all of it. So that's why I say cash is king, right? You bill. Yeah. And so, you know, I was doing that in revenue, but we still had accounts receivable outstanding from those big, things at the end of the year. Right. So I wasn't yeah. able to put myself first on a modest payroll until sometime in 2010. And then about every few months I'd have to take myself off of it. So I was the, I was the first one to go last one on first one off, um, LIFO, um, yeah. as they say it in accounting, but, um, but yeah, so we had good momentum and I look back and I felt like we can do this. Like we doubled, yeah. right. We yeah. got better. Yeah. Right. And so, Again, why do I think about getting a little bit better, right? Wasn't a perfect year. Wasn't an easy year. Right. I had to have a shit ton of humility. I got embarrassed and told no. If I would have gone in those dealerships with a big ego, I never would have gotten that car. You know, if right. I didn't, if I wasn't humble enough to go join and sign up and start volunteering to learn, right? And just become a part of a community that I was trying to grow in, we wouldn't be where we are, right? And, and I think- yeah. All those things matter, DMAC. They matter yeah. in the early days of a company, but they matter more now, the bigger that we are, right? I mean, sure. This is where ego gets you in trouble. So the sure. end of 2009, I felt like, um, you know, we didn't really talk about this, but in 08, when everything started to melt down, the one thing I learned in the first couple of months is turn the news off. Mm. You know, it's, it's never yeah. as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. But I can tell you, if you sit and listen to the pundits talk about how bad yeah. the great recession is uh it's pretty depressing but uh through 2009 you started to see you know some movement and we had kind of settled in that defense space and it was booming then yeah but the other economy started to come back which really impacted the future of ReliQuest. um so you know we kind of uh that's why i say that you know 
um, we need to work on our founding story, right? Because it's not as clean yeah. as some people think. It's I didn't right. fall and hit my head and draw the flux capacitor and invent time travel the next day and start a billion dollar company. Like I would say seven out of 10 businesses, that's the way it is. What they start doing isn't what they end up doing, right? Um, yeah, you know, good. think about think about Rockefeller and Standard Oil, right? They made kerosene until the light bulb was invented and they had no more business. And so, and then they, they figured out that the flammable substance that they were dumping in the river behind their uh, uh, manufacturing plant for kerosene would fuel the combustible engine and mm. cars were emerging. So uh, every company has this kind of, you know, they're not pivots. They're just evolutions. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's um, it's growth. I mean, you're growing, yeah. right. When you grow as a human, you know, Parker is different at newborn to one to two to three to four. Well, well, companies are the same way. You learn more, you get yeah. better, you build new relationships, you see opportunity. And, you know, I think that's, um, we were always had our eye open for opportunity and we never believed our own story. So we, we never looked in the mirror and started reading back our resume. Right. And so what drives me crazy about, some early stage founders or entrepreneurs is to them. It's all about being an entrepreneur. Like I, they love the idea of calling themselves one of being thought of one. And it's almost like a hobby. Like mm. to me, I was trying to survive. Yeah. Right. So to, to me, like I chased possible to survive. It was, it was, you know, can't go over it. Can't go under it. Got to go through it. So that coming out of 2009, we felt good, but the camaraderie we had at the time, man, we were, we were running and gunning some of the you know, people that were on board. We were having fun. We had that pipeline out of Florida state. Cause here's the other thing is like some people are like, Oh, well, I quest early on only hired out of Florida state. Well, who the hell is going to come work for <laughs> an eight person startup yeah. that you've never heard of that can't pay you all that much, but can bonus you when we get these contracts done, you had to have a relationship. And so right, right now the big mantra I'm saying in the company is be great recruiters recruit people you know in the network that know you and tell them about the opportunity we have here. Well, we're an 800 person company now. It's the same thing we did when we were an eight person company. I couldn't post mm -hmm. a job ad out on LinkedIn, come work. Well, imagine that sales pitch, right? Um, <laughs> right. So we had to go with people that knew of us, right? And yeah, we kept yeah. our roots back at Florida State and we would help a lot of those students. Um, so we would keep going back to those career fairs and set up a big booth. And it wasn't that we needed that many people that we needed to go to a career fair, but we would have people come up and they, we started to be known for things and like, Oh, you're the yeah. rely quest guys. Like, Hey, I know my friend works for you. Well, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for this over here. Well, you know, we know John and Susie over here. We'll help you with that. And so we started to like almost refer people around. And one of my passions is, you know, I was, given an opportunity to have an internship at PwC early on that had a big impact on me. And I love the idea of people getting a job. I love the idea yeah. of somebody getting their first job. So, um, so anyway, that's some context of where some of these things come from. They're rooted yeah. in our DNA. Um, and why yeah. now, like when I say it's not about the fault, it's about the fix, because back then, if you focused on fault, you were out of business. You're, mm. you're just done. Yeah. Like we could sit around and argue why we didn't, complete a project or blaming on the great recession or grant, you know, all that stuff. Um, but no, you, just, you had to look for oxygen, right? Yeah, you just, you, yeah. you had to look for air. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to to hear you know wh where this goes right as we get into 2010 and and just the thread that I keep hearing coming up over and over and over is is really willing to do the things that others aren't willing to do. Right. It's like yeah. um, really that's the thing that just keeps showing up and 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 your ability and Elliot's and Collins and and you know that first group's ability to to recognize progress, right? Because I think um, progress powers possible, right? It's like, it's like you see those little, like these moments of like, hey, we're making a little more. Hey, this is how much, right? And this is how much we're bringing in credit. Like all these little things keep popping up and to be able to recognize the progress and then how that power is possible, which powers that next step and the next step and, and finding things where it's like, hey, how can I add value here? Oh, cor corporate sponsorships, no one likes to do that. I'll do that, right? That, yeah. That's being willing to do the things that others aren't willing to do, right? Because that's what it takes. And so, uh, again, can't wait to see, uh, or I can't wait to learn more, really, about um, you know 2010 and, and where uh, where ReliQuest is headed at that point and, and what all was going on. So, Murph, uh, as always, I appreciate you sharing, man. Uh, this is really helpful. Thank you. Hey, appreciate you, DMAC. We'll see you next time. <laughs>